Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www. Dot the grovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. Let's look at 1 Samuel 19, verses 9 and 10. 1 Samuel 19, verses 9 and 10. Once you find 1 Samuel, verses 9 and 10, please keep your Bible or your app open because we're going to milliwop through some other verses as the sermon goes on. All right? Keep your Bible, keep your app open. But to get us started, we're going to look at 1 Samuel 19. I'm going to read verses 9 and 10. 1 Samuel 19, verses 9 and 10. And here's what we find in the Word of God. But one day when when Saul was sitting at home with spear in hand, the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him again. As David played his harp, Saul hurled his spear at David. But David dodged out of the way and leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled and escaped into the night. I want to talk today from the thought, I'm done, but it ain't over. I'm done, but it ain't over. Our text today, y'all, is a very interesting one to say the least. David is King Saul's personal musician. David was hired to be Saul's personal musician back in 1 Samuel chapter 16. He was hired to play music that would help Saul chill. I don't know if any of y'all have a playlist or several playlists that can just help you chill, help you relax, help you unwind, help you calm down. I have fallen in love with music, the real you know, instrumental soothing music with the rain sounds in the background. Oh, man, when I... When, listen, if I can go to sleep to that, uh, it'd be a good night's rest. I'm fortunate, I'm, I'm blessed and privileged to sleep with somebody who has to have the TV on at night. But if I had my way, I'd have some soft music with the rain sounds in the background to help me chill and enjoy a good night's rest. Through a series of events, though, from 1 Samuel 16, through a series of events uh, to include David killing Goliath the giant and blowing up in the army, uh, David and Saul became real tight, so tight that David became King Saul's armor bearer. Uh, They were tight until David was getting more press than Saul, and Saul got jealous, very jealous. Saul became so jealous that David returned to work one day as King Saul's personal harpist in 1 Samuel 18 that Saul hurled a spear at David back then. And the Bible says that David escaped Saul's attempted murder efforts twice in 1 Samuel 18. So what we read, what we read about in King, with, with King Saul hurling a spear at David today as his personal musician in today's text of 1 Samuel 19, this episode is, is episode 2 of season 1 uh, in this Netflix drama. And y'all, check this out. When King Saul hurled his spear at David in our text today in 1 Samuel 19 verses 9 and 10, David is only around 15 to 19 years old. 
David is either 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old when we read about him in 1 Samuel chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. So with that in mind, let's reread the text again. 1 Samuel 19, verses 9 and 10. But one day when Saul was sitting at home with spear in hand, the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him again. As David, the teenager, played his harp, Saul hurled his spear at David, who was only 15 years old, or 16, or 17, or 18, or 19. But David, the teenager who attended Hoko, or Veterans, or Perry, or Northside, or Warner Robins High, or Peach County, or as a freshman in his first semester of college, dodged out the way. And leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled into the night. David left the spear in the wall, y'all, and ran for his life. Now, I know your story would have been different. Your story would have read differently. I know you would have grabbed the spear, threw it back at Saul, saying, this is what we're doing now. This, you would have grabbed your phone, started a live video on social media, and threw, it, threw that spear right back at Saul. But David ran for his life. And he will continue running for Saul for another 10 to 15 years. So when we read about David in today's text, fleeing and escaping into the night, we actually read about what will become a new normal for David. He will be running from Saul for years. David is done with this situation, but it ain't over. It ain't over. What is a young person to do when they're dealing with long-term, serious drama like this? What is a young person to do when someone is trying to threaten your life with an abusive relationship or something like sex trafficking or drug addiction or gang banging or drug dealing? What is a young person who loves Jesus to do when they're in a new normal of survival? What can you do when some drama like our current pandemic and racial hostility and political foolishness is far from over? David ran from Saul. He's done with him, but the situation is far from over. Let's look at a few things David does from now on that can help all of us move forward in some drama that won't end anytime soon. Number one, from now on, David needs to dip when it's time to dip. David needs to dip when it's time to dip. Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. Saul hurled his spear at David, but David dodged out of the way and leaving the spear, in the, leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled and escaped into the night. King Saul hurled his spear at David. This ain't the first time, but David shows us it will be the last time. After Saul hurled his spear at David this time, David had to dip. David had to leave. David had to bounce. David had to make his exit from real threats, uh, uh, from real threats that will become a habit for David as he moves forward. David was like, look, my life is on the line. My life is, at je my life is, at, is jeopardized in this situation. I got to dip. I got to go. I can't stay around here. I got to go. This dude is literally trying to kill me. I'm out. I'll holla. I'm gone. I'm through with this. But when David dipped from the scene with the gangster lean in verse 10, it became a habit that helped him stay alive. I'm saying that David will find himself in situations where he would keep leaving, keep dipping. And sometimes you got to dip before you die. When we were, when I was stationed in the Marine Corps, and I stationed in, in, in Albany, Georgia, 
and uh, lived in base housing. There was, a, uh, there was a family that lived around the corner from us, uh, also in base housing. And the man, the, the Marine, was battling depression. And he and his wife were already having some problems. And uh, uh, they had already split up. I think she had gotten a restraining order on him, but she let him back in the house. And she was going to leave him again. Uh, and, and he found out about it. So what he did was somehow, some way, uh, they were in the kitchen. From what the story I got, they were in the kitchen. And um, he set them both on fire. She died the next day. He was, he was flown to the burn center in Augusta and died a few days later. If she had left in time, she'd probably still be alive today. Sometimes you got to dip before you die. David fled from Saul and went home to his wife, Michal. Some may pronounce it Michelle. David and Michelle. <laughs> Michal, Michelle, was, was Saul's daughter. David gets to the house, and Michal warned David that her daddy, David's father-in-law, King Saul, was going to kill him, and he needed to leave. Michal helped Lord David out of the window, and David dipped from Michal. David left Michal and ran to Reverend Dr. Samuel. King Saul found out about it and sent some goons to kill David. When the goons showed up, Samuel and some of his sons in the ministry were prophesying, and then the Holy Ghost fell on the goons, and they started prophesying too. Saul sent his second string goons to go and get David, arrest him and bring him so they could kill him. But the, but the same Holy Ghost that fell on Saul, Samuel and his sons in the ministry and fell on the first string of goons, fell on the second string of goons. They began to prophesy too. Saul sent his third string of goons to go get David so David could be killed. The Holy Ghost fell on them too. They too began to prophesy. Didn't do anything to David. Saul went himself to find David so he could arrest David and kill David. The Holy Ghost fell on Saul. Saul got so caught up in the, in the anointing, he got naked and started prophesying. Yeah, and with all of this going on, David dipped again. David left Samuel's place and went to his best friend, King Saul's son, Jonathan. Jonathan and his dad, King Saul, had got into it over David. It got so bad between Saul and his son, Jonathan, David's best friend, that Saul threw a spear at Jonathan while they were sitting down eating dinner. Can you imagine Jonathan asking, can you please pass the potato salad? And a spear just hurls past his face from his own daddy. Jonathan then realized that his daddy was just as crazy as David had been trying to tell him. And after a couple days, David dipped from Jonathan and fled from his life. David dipped from Jonathan and ran to Gath. Achish, the king of Gath, recognized David. Ain't this the one Saul is looking for? David was so afraid that Achish would turn him over to King Saul that he dipped from Gath. So when David fled and escaped from Saul in today's text, it showed it would become a habit for him, a life-saving habit. If David were to text all of us today, his text would probably say, sometimes you can stay at a place too long. And when it's time to dip, you have to dip before you die. If David didn't dip when he did, if he did not leave those situations when he did, Saul would have killed him. Know when enough is enough before you stay in the wrong place too long and end up dying. 
After a while, enough is enough, and you've got to dip from physical or sexual abuse. After a while, enough is enough, and you've got to dip from substance abuse. Sometimes staying in one place too long can kill your drive. It can kill your creativity. It can kill your potential. It can kill your faith. It can kill your integrity. It can kill your worship. When it's time to dip, you've got to get your stuff, shed your tears if necessary, and dip. But let's, let's get one thing clear. I'm talking about situations that are for real, for real, threatening your well-being or your very life. I want to make this clear because too many people wimp out of situations that's nothing more than tough love. Just because you can't get your way doesn't mean it's time for you to go anywhere. Just because the coach yelled at you doesn't mean it's time for you to quit the team. Just because you're having a hard time at school doesn't mean it's time for you to drop out talking about getting your GED. If you want to get a GED, get a gain extra determination. Get that kind of a GED. Just because your mama took all your devices doesn't mean your life is over. Don't you dare run away from home with your no diploma, no degree, no kind of license, no job, no income having self. Quit wearing your pull-ups and put your big boy drawers on, your big girl bloomers on, and grow up and realize that some of the stuff that you get taken away are privileges. That phone is a privilege. That television is a privilege. That iPad is a privilege. Going to the game, going to the dance is a privilege. Cheering when somebody got to come up off all those fees is a privilege. Playing sports when somebody got to pay all that money for you to sit on the bench is a privilege. Better not dip from your mama, your grandmama, or your daddy with all the sacrifices they're making to give you a well-rounded upbringing. You need to sit still and be grateful. But when your life is being threatened, when your well-being is jeopardized, yeah, you, you got to know when it's time to dip. And when it's time to dip, you got to dip. After King, after King Saul threw that spirit at David again, David was done. But his situation was not over. From now on, he would have to keep Dipping, keep leaving in order to stay alive. Secondly, secondly, from now on, David has to run in the right direction. David has to run in the right direction. Look at verse 10 one more time. Uh, Saul hurled his spear at David, but David dodged out of the way and leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled and escaped into the night. David ran from Saul into the dark night. He ran toward his wife at the crib. From there to Samuel, the man of God. From there to Jonathan, his best friend. From there to Gath. And on and on and on. David kept running. Ultimately, David ran in the right direction. When David finally stopped running, he was a king. Yeah. When David stopped running, he had dominion, authority, power, and wealth. When David stopped running, he sat in what God ordained for him. All of us need to be running toward that direction. David didn't run down. No, David did not run down where his life went from bad to worse. Some folks do that, don't they? They, 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 they run down where they end up in worse situations than the one they left. Don't run down into a worse situation than the one you left. David didn't run around in circles like a dog chasing its own tail. Some folks live like that. They run around in circles with their lives going nowhere that speak of progress or forward moving, uh, forward movement. They don't live as if they have goals or any sense of direction. Some people run from one boyfriend or girlfriend's house to their homeboy or cousin's couch. They run from one abusive relationship to another one. They run around like a dog chasing its own tail. 
From one sorry low paying job to another one, they run around in circles and they never get it. David didn't run down. David didn't run around. David ran ahead. When he ran away from Saul, he kept running until he himself was a king. David ran ahead. He, he emerged from, from this extended nightmare as a king with his own house, his own palace that the Lord had waiting for him. He was a king with his own crown that the Lord had waiting for him. He was sitting on his own throne that God had waiting for him. He ran ahead. And that's the direction I want you to run in. I want you to run ahead toward what God has waiting on you. And let me make this clear. The devil has some stuff waiting on you too. I said the devil has some stuff waiting on you too. Declare and decree that you are not running in that direction. The devil has some stuff waiting on you too. Stuff like addiction, poverty, misery, abuse, prison, felonies that make it hard for black felons to stay out of prison, depression, STDs you'll never get rid of. The devil has some stuff waiting on you too. Don't run in that direction. And here's another way to look at David running in the right direction. David did not run down. David did not run around. David ran ahead toward what God had waiting for him. But here's another way to look at this, how we know that David was running in the right direction. Because David ran toward his why. David ran toward his why. He, he ran toward the reason why he was born. Some people say it's the two most important days of your life is the day you were born and the day you figure out why. When David, David, well, listen, when David stopped running from Saul, David sat on a throne. That is where he was born to sit. That is what he was born to do. When David had that crown on his head, David was sitting in a place where God had, had that's the reason why God had birthed him. And when David had authority over all of Israel, David could look at all that God had given him and declare, this is why I was born. This is why I was anointed at such a young age. This is why the spear didn't kill me. This is why Saul didn't take me out. This is why God kept me all those years. This is why I had to suffer the way I suffered. This is why I endured the abuse that I endured. This is why I made it. This is why COVID didn't take me out. This is why the Rona didn't wipe me off the earth. This is why I'm still here. When you have your why, when you're living in God's purpose for your life, it can make all that running worthwhile. Run towards your why. Why did God save you? Why did God anoint you at such an early age? Why did God keep you alive? Why did God keep you above the earth, above the ground and not in the ground? Why did God spare you from that life-threatening experience? Why are you here? You got to run towards your why. Run towards your why. Run in that direction. Run in that, in that direction. Unfortunately, unfortunately, there aren't enough people running toward their why. Too many folks are running toward their ain't. Running towards your ain't. Well, your, high, your whole life looked like that ain't how you were raised. That ain't the example that was set for you. That ain't what you were taught from the word of God. Your life looked like that ain't going to help you prosper. That You ain't got no business living like that. Don't you, listen, don't you, don't you live in your ain't. You live in your why. Run in the right, the right direction. Run ahead towards what God has waiting for you. Run towards your why rather than live in your ain't. When David fled that night, when David fled that night, David kept running ahead until he sat on his own throne. The same thing can happen for you. If you make up in your mind, I'm going to run towards my why. Dip when you have to dip. 
You can be gone with a situation with it being far from overrun in the right direction. And finally, finally, y'all, don't let the hurt you get from your enemies keep you from getting the help you need from your friends. Don't, don't let the hurt you get from your enemies keep you from getting the help you need from your friends. Dip when you got to dip. Run in the right direction, but don't let the hurt you get from your enemies keep you from getting the help you need from your friends. David moved, look, look David moved from this life-threatening situation with Saul. Look at verses 9 and 10 one more time. But one day when Saul was sitting at home with spear in hand, the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him again. As David played his harp, Saul hurled his spear at David, but David dodged out of the way. And leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled and escaped into the night. Yeah, he, 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 he left this life-threatening situation with Saul and he survived long enough to sit on the throne of Israel and die at the ripe old age of around 70, 72 years old. He didn't do it alone, y'all. He didn't survive Saul by himself. He had some friends to help him. He had folks to look out for him, folks who helped him, folks who were on his side. And I have seen so many people go through things like this with Saul and say stuff like, no one cares about me. No one supports me. The whole time they're talking like this, it may be one or a few folks who make life hard for them, but they'll talk as if they have no one on their side. The hurt they get from their enemies keeps them from getting the help they need from their friends. Allow me to rephrase that. They allow the hurt they get from their enemies to keep them from getting the help they need from their friends. David did not allow Saul to write the rest of his story. David is a young man, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. David is going to live until he's around 70-something years old. He's got a whole life ahead of him. What would it look like if he were to allow Saul to ruin and write the pages of the rest of his story? We have to decide that people who treat us wrong may get a page or maybe only a paragraph in our story and not the whole book. The rest of your story is yet to be written. Don't let the hurt you receive from the Saul or Saulikwa in your life fill up the pages. Rather, rather, when you tell your story, tell it emphasizing who cared about you, who looked out for you, folks who were there for you, who helped you, who stayed by your side through all your ups and downs. And God will always have a person or some people in your corner. Look at all the people who helped David. Let's look at it one more time. I hope you have your Bible or your app still open. Open. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, David's wife, Michal, Michal helped him. Saul sent troops to the crib to, to kill David. Da Michal told him, if you don't escape tonight, you will be dead by the morning. Then she helped him out the window. 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 18, we read about how Samuel helped David. 1 Samuel 19, 18, David escaped and went to Ramah to see Samuel, and he told him all that Saul had done to him. Then Samuel took David with him to live at Naoth. Jonathan helped David. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. David left Naoth in Ramah and found Jonathan. Told Jonathan, your daddy is trying to kill me. In 1 Samuel chapter 20. 1 Samuel chapter 20, Jonathan is like, no, he ain't. He ain't trying to kill you. Bruh, I'm telling you. Your daddy is trying to kill me. Bruh, I'm telling you. Me and my daddy are tight like peas and carrots. Anything my daddy is planning to do, he would have told me about it. Bruh, I'm telling you. Your daddy trying to kill me. Next thing you know, Jonathan and Saul sitting down at dinner. Saul throws a spear at Jonathan because he knew that he was looking out for David rather than trying to help Saul kill David. So when Jonathan became convinced, he asked David, how can I help you? 
Jonathan also tried to help David. Oh, but in 1 Samuel chapter 22, 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, David's family and followers come to help him. David had left Gath. He escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all his other relatives joined him in a cave. His family came to support him. Verse 2, then others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented until David was the captain of about 400 men running for his life but his other men still looking up to him for leadership running running as a hunted animal but men are still looking up to him for his leadership with all these friends helping David he would have no right to feel sorry for himself because of Saul with so many friends helping David how would he sound if he said no one cared about him and no one wanted him to succeed and no one was there for him if he were to talk like that, he would rob himself of some good help if he allowed the hurt he received from Saul to keep him from receiving help from his friends. More folks are for you than against you. I wish I had some help. Let me say that again. More folks are for you than against you. You cannot embrace the lie that no one cares about you or there is no one there for you or no one willing to help you. Let people who can help you help you. You will not make it to what God has ordained by yourself. You must allow folks to help you run ahead toward what the Lord has waiting for you. And sometimes, sometimes, I don't know if anybody else will tell you, but I'm going to tell you. Sometimes it can be difficult to identify who's really there to help you. Sometimes it can be hard knowing if you can trust folks to stay by your side, especially, especially if they have ties to your enemies. Mikal was David's wife, but she was still Saul's daughter. Jonathan was David's best friend, but he was still Saul's son. Samuel anointed David to become king, but he had previously anointed Saul to become king. Sometimes you can get to where you don't know who you can or cannot trust. Saul and David had become tight until Saul turned on him. Have you ever had somebody turn on you? Somebody tight and then they just turn on you. That kind of stuff can work on your soul. But you must believe. That God will have someone in your corner you can trust to help you. I told you all the story before that when uh, Michelle and I got married in May 1988, um, uh, September 1988, I'm in Okinawa, Japan. Michelle returned to school at South Carolina State College at the time. It's South Carolina State University. But back then, way back then when First Lady was, school, was in school, way back then, uh, it was South Carolina State College. Way, way back, way back then. When school teach, when, when college professors talk like this, wah, 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 wah. I went on to Okinawa, Japan. She went back to school, South Carolina State University. Uh, by January, she had joined me in Okinawa, Japan, fell in love with the island, decided we wanted to stay. And so I had to ask if they would let me stay. Now, if she was going to stay with me, uh, I was only supposed to be there for one year, and then they would have to approve for us to stay there for three years. So I went to my non-commissioned officer in charge and asked him if I could start processing the paperwork to get my tour converted from a one-year tour to a three-year tour. He told me, I've been, I'm going to be here for three years, and I just got here. I don't know if I want you to be here with me for three years. Yeah, I don't know if I want you to be here. So I just, I just scratched the whole thing right there because if he would not approve me staying there, nobody else would approve it. But a couple of weeks later, he wound up in prison. 
Yes, he did. So his replacement, who had already been in our unit and we had already interacted, had, had taken his place. And I went to him and said, hey, the former guy, and I know his name, you know, the former guy, he, he wouldn't approve me, but just want to know, would you approve me staying here? Uh, my wife and I want to stay. Would you approve staying here? Through? Clark, I've been impressed with you, man. I'd love to do it. Just start the paperwork. I'll sign it. I'll do all, all I can to push it through. Long story short, it got approved. We stayed there for three years instead of just one. And because God had somebody in my corner. It was in Japan I started preaching. It was in, in Japan I got serious with God. It was in Japan the 3G connection really got started. It was in Japan that I forged a relationship with my spiritual father, Charles. It was in Japan that a strong foundation for my walk with Christ and my ministry got started. If it had not been for God having somebody in my life who would support me and help me, God will always, always have at least one person. But if you ever get to a place where you cannot identify who will help you, if you ever find yourself where you cannot identify who your supporters are, always remember, if God be for you, more than the world against you, I wish I had some help. If God be for you, he's more than the whole world against you. And God is for you. I said God is for you. That's why he saved you at an early age. God is for you. That's why he anointed you at an early age. God is for you. That's why he didn't let the spear take you out. God is for you. Somebody needs to holler that and say that to themselves. God is for me. God is for me being successful. God is for me surviving. God is for me prospering. God is for me having joy unspeakable and full of glory. God is for me. That's why he has great things waiting for you. God is for you. That's why he sent his only begotten son to die for you and to be buried for you and to be raised from the grave on the third day for you because God is for you. That's why Jesus shed his blood for you. That's why he washed your sins away. That's why one day Jesus is coming back to collect unto himself his church. God is for you. That's why Jesus right now sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you, praying for you as your advocate. God is for you. Listen, I need somebody to just say that to themselves. Somebody going through a storm that ain't going to end no time soon. You need to say to yourself, God is for me. Somebody who's done with the situation, but is far from over. God is for me. I ain't trying to be negative. I'm, I'm, not, trying to, I'm not trying to be negative. I know you've already declared and decreed that your storm will be over by the time you get home from church. I know you've already declared and decreed and sowed the seed and spun around three times and repeated that your storm will be over by the end of this week but sometimes baby your storm ain't gonna be over for another year sometimes your storm ain't gonna be over for another five years sometimes you can be done with the situation but the storm is far from over but if your friends outnumber your enemies if you got a friend in Jesus what a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear if you got a friend in Jesus if God is for you if God is for you you can make it if God is for you, you can survive. If God is for you, you can thrive. If God is for you, you can walk right into your why. If God is for you, you can make it, I'm telling you. So be sure to dip when it's time to dip. Be sure to run in the right direction. Don't let the hurt you get from your enemies keep you from getting the help you need from your friends. And some of y'all going through some stuff ain't going to be over no time soon. Ain't trying to sound negative. 
Some storms, can last, some storms can last for a very long time, but you can make it. In life, you have to endure some stuff that can last for a long time, but you can make it resolve. I'm done, but it ain't over. And like grandma and them used to say, I'm so glad trouble don't last. <laughs> Always. Y'all going to help me. I'm so glad. Trouble don't last always. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.